You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. Oh, I haven't, you know what? There's something that I haven't done today that's really important. It's a big part of the foundation of my life now and my relationship with my executive producer, Tom DeCelestino. Something I once hated but but now love. Doesn't that sound like the definition of many things in a marriage? And I guess in this sort of radio work relationship, it's a marriage of a kind. Let's do it on the air. Tom, good morning. Happy hump day. Good morning to you. Happy hump day. Wow. It is Wednesday. I mean, I'm trying to think of things like foods that I hated then grew to like. Certainly bourbon and beer, right? First taste of those wasn't great. Sushi. My wife introduced me to, in, in, you know, in the sushi capital of the world, Des Moines, Iowa. First place I ever had sushi in my 20s. I did. Hump Day's kind of, I, I hate myself for it, but it's kind of growing on me. Embrace it. All right. Like a big hug. Like a big hug. My daughter told me the other day, hi, man, I love you if you're listening, that she was driving to school with, uh, with Lori, my wife, and she heard me talk about how when I first got here to New York, it's my last day in New York, and I came in the front door and it had been raining, and you saw me and you looked like you didn't know if you wanted to hug me or not. She thought it was really sweet, and she also thought you should have hugged me. So I just wanted to pass that on. I don't know how my facial expression said, do I go in for the hug or it, not? It was so Because <laughs> that's exactly awkward. what I was thinking. It, the guy at the desk, the really sweet guy who, like, gives us the, you know, pa- the, the, the thing to get in, not the password. It's not a secret. It's not open sesame to get in the elevator. The key card, um, he, even he looked awkward. He was like, I should, he, he didn't know if he should hug you to make you feel better. All right. <laughs> um, speaking of D-Cell's instincts and his... He said the other day that, that if one more scammer move for me came up, right? I have a table that fell on me. I got half my meal off. Then I had a, a seat that wouldn't go down on my flight, so I got a bunch of miles. If I got one more, I think what he said is I shouldn't bring it up, but what he meant was, I hate you, you're a liar. Well, we got a third one. Build a scammer part three in about 20 minutes. We will get into the purgatory. Someone else wrote that this morning. I'm stealing that from one of the many newsletters, but it's great. The purgatory Major League Baseball is in as it relates to its Hall of Fame realities. One guy, Scott Rowland, Hall of Famer now officially in the vote that was released yesterday, that 75% threshold. We'll talk about, I don't think he's deserving. Let, let me just, well, we'll get into why and some of the names on there that sh- I think should have been inducted and, and where baseball can go from here. NBA power rankings because it's a hump day Wednesday. Let's go. Uh, Jeff Goodman, our good buddy from Stadium college basketball, which we haven't hit enough. I'm really excited to get with him on some things. He uh, he covers, and I think in, a, in an excellent way, the intersection of the of the the draft and, and college and high school sports and the NBA. So Mr. Webb and Yama will be on tap for that conversation. Bronny James, LeBron's son, is starting to get some, some, some hope and thoughts beyond the buzz of who his dad is, what he could be as an eventual professional basketball player. And Gil- Gilman just likes to break my, uh, my, my ribs, my chops. Break my ribs should be an expression. It's not. It's veered from what it is because there are kids listening. Kids are going to school right now, you know, on the West Coast or in this mountain time zone. I don't know time zones. I'm all turned around. We'll do by ourselves, and I'm going to fix the NBA at the end of the at the uh, at the end of the hour. I'm going to fix the NBA regular season. I'm going to fix it. I went last night to Cavs Knicks, rolled into the Garden a couple hours before the game. Cool environment, magical, but there's something that's just off a little bit about the regular season. You know it, I know it, and I cover the NBA full-time my other job when I'm not a professional scammer. I'm going to fix the NBA. Uh, 855-2124-CBS, Twitter, Sports Writer, Sports R-E-I-T-E-R. One of the, 
Achilles heels, one of the traps you can fall into, as Pat Riley would call it, the disease of more of sports talk radio, is is how much you like to be right. And and this show is called Righter Than You. So in theory, because my name happens to, you know, in this language, be a pawn of, of, of virtuous accuracy, maybe, you know, there's this hope to just point it out. And yesterday I told you that the Buffalo Bills window is closed, that they that they are no longer the top of the mountain, that if they are able to have real success in the in the kind where you win, earn, and slip onto your finger a championship ring, it will be an upset, and that it's not going to happen because they missed their moment. Because in the NFL, windows close quickly. When they open, they are narrow. And if you don't burst through, it's not going to happen. The Bills ain't the Chiefs. Josh Allen ain't Patrick Mahomes. Because there's only one of those basically a generation. Very few teams that repetitively and in a dominant fashion put themselves on the cusp of and win one or many Super Bowls. And and I don't want to get into a whole conversation about how the Chiefs haven't done it yet. There were long stretches where Tom Brady and the Patriots didn't win a Super Bowl, but were still in the mix year after year. Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to break through again. They've already won one. The Bills window is closed. And I did that yesterday. We told you why. Go to the podcast if, if you want the full argument. The Odyssey app is a great place to get it. But it's nice of um of Brandon Bean, who's the, the 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 head of player personnel, the GM, the decision maker in Buffalo, to listen to the show. We got a we got a big following in that part of New York. And we thank you. We thank you wherever you're listening. For for him to listen to the show and to be like, man, this guy, Bill Ryder, ah, oh, he is writer than me. How do I? I'm Brandon Bean now, I'm the GM of, of the Bills. How do I go out there and just tell the world Bill Ryder is correct? can't turn on the microphone at the press conference and be like, I, I, I can't play favorites, right? Because then the other media get mad. They get jealous. It's weird. They get a call from some other bigger name. Like, why didn't you give me credit? Well, you weren't righter than me. So what, what, what Brandon did, can I call him Brandon? What Brandon went and did is he had a press conference. And under the guise of being petty and not able to be a good loser and making excuses and acting like, and I love my son, but my son last year before he learned to share his ball with other people when things went wrong like a child, what, uh, what Brandon Bean did is he just sounded like the, the most thin-skinned, can't-accept-responsibility GM in the NFL. He sounds like a guy who knows his window is closed because he wanted to communicate to all of you that here on the show we, we got it right. They have a good team. I mean, um, they right now are on the advantage of a rookie quarterback contract. And, you know, they had some lean years and without getting too much into their build. And, you know, I don't want to – I don't want to suck bad enough to have to get Jamar Chase. Like, he's a heck of a talent. I'd love to have him. But you got to – you got to go through some lean years to do, to do that. And, you know, they – you know, they were able to get Burrow one. And I don't remember where Chase was drafted, but it was pretty high. Like – and those guys are on their rookie deals. We're paying Stefan Diggs a pretty hefty number. We're paying Josh Allen a pretty hefty number. So there is the constraints of the cap, um, but they have a they have a really good team, and they got some good young players. We're going to try to get as many good players as we can through the draft and through you know free agency. But you know, again, our cap situation is a little different. I mean, let that sink in what a successful, safe in terms of a job security. This isn't a guy who is worried he's going to get fired and have to go tell his wife and kids we got to move towns because daddy failed in a really tough business in, in the NFL. This is a, a, a guy who's done a good job, a great job in Buffalo, who has job security, 
who, with the self-awareness of an inanimate object, went out to a room full of reporters and acted as if the cap is a surprise. And he is the only NFL team who has to deal with it. And then had the chutzpah, I guess, is that the word? To say, I mean, they've got a, a rookie quarterback, a rookie contract, but we don't want to be bad for a while. Hey, man, the deal and the goal and the requirement is to win Super Bowls. And you didn't get Josh Allen from a magic NFL fairy who showed up after all your teeth fell out and you put it under the bed. Instead of money, you got a QB. You drafted the guy near the top of the draft because you were bad enough to draft there. Give me a break. But I don't think the takeaway here is how petty. It is petty. Or what a bad loser looks like in professional sports when they don't have the, I guess, temperament that day or the public relations apparatus or the patience to hide their their frustration. The takeaway is that we were right on the show yesterday, and this is the proof. This sounds like a GM who is angry, not because they lost, but because they're not going to be able to win the way that they could have. The Bills had a window. The Bills had an amazing, amazing opportunity. Over the last, really, three seasons, including this one, Josh Allen, if I remember this right, three seasons ago, really burst onto the scene. The quarterback, by the way, they they drafted because they had the record that was poor enough to allow that to happen. I, hard to remember that when you're the GM who, who benefited from it. We don't want to be bad to be good. Okay. I mean, name-checking Stefan Diggs? Yeah, you pay him a lot of money. His arrival was also one of the key ingredients to spark Josh Allen to the next level. We like to think that these quarterbacks operate in a vacuum. Either they're outstanding or they're not. But they're human beings who have to develop in a really tough environment. Is Patrick Mahomes the guy that has made Andy Reid's career the way that it should finish as a winner? Yeah, but but also, it's hard to, to believe that Patrick Mahomes would be this successful without Andy Reid. Or Tyree Kill. Maybe he doesn't need him as much now. You just certainly having Travis Kelsey in Kansas City is an advantage. Stephon Diggs' arrival, the money we spent on Stephon Diggs, worked. It worked. You're the best team in the NFL heading into the season, this season, and maybe last season. You were the favorites this year. And he's right. They didn't see the Bengals coming. They, I'm sure in Buffalo's planning, Kansas City was the primary thing they had to stave off. They had to worry about. They had to push back on. Mahomes got paid. That confounds a little bit Kansas City's flexibility. By the way, the Chiefs are still alive. Maybe he doesn't know that. Maybe his phone broke. Did you notice that Tyree Kill, the Chiefs, for lack of a better comparison, and the Chiefs have more offensive weapons beyond this, but they're Stephon Diggs. He's in Miami this past year, pal. Brandon? Because the Chiefs had some numbers issues because they had to pay Mahomes. You're not the only one dealing with the cap. You're just the one that couldn't push through. They didn't see the Bengals coming. Nobody did. Even after last year, I think a lot of people are like, oh, that's a good story. And but, but what you have to know if you're an NFL GM is there's going to be surprises. And those surprises, as he alluded to, as we've talked about on the show, will often be attached to quarterbacks on their rookie deals because if those quarterbacks break through at a level beyond what is expected, if a quarterback on his rookie deal can be a top 10 or top 8 or a top 5 quarterback, Patrick Mahomes obviously the top quarterback before the extension and after the extension, for me, the new deal for him in Kansas City. If you can do that, it gives you some flexibility, but you don't know where that's going to emerge. You don't know where that's going to come from. You didn't have to know it was the Bengals to know it was going to come from somewhere. 
You're responsible for your own moments, and you take advantage of the things in front of you. I want to give you a, a, a Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, a clip really quickly. And it, it, it may not seem like it connects, but I think it does. Because you have to find ways when the margins are so thin in a business of success and failure, and they are incredibly thin in the National Football League. It, the difference and the distinction between you are a made man or whatever, your quarterback, your running back, your offensive coordinator wants to be a coach, your GM, your whatever you are, head coach, it, it's so fine. And it's the little things that make a difference. And while Brandon being up there in, in Buffalo is making excuses, well, we have a Cowboys to deal with, and these guys are bad, but no, they're good. Uh, the head coach in Cincinnati every week was scouring media, Listen to shows like this one. And, Zach, I hope you listen just because you like the show, but if you're just looking for reasons to be angry, it's a good place to be sometimes, too, because we can be a little overly candid. Zach Taylor was looking for advantages everywhere instead of making excuses by literally trolling America for things that he could use to fire up his team. I take whatever I can get. And, yeah, it's probably the opposite of what people Yeah, 20 weeks in, I'm absolutely looking for anything. You know, week one's easy. Uh, week 20, uh, you'll take anything you can get. And uh, I'll search every inch of the Internet to get it. Nothing worse than, than sore losers, man. Nothing worse. And, and I understand. I'm not a professional athlete, but I'm a very competitive person in the things that I'm interested in. When I play poker, when I play tennis, when I used to play hoops, I, I used to be a, my wife likes to make fun of me for, and I'm just going to admit this, this is not like, haha, isn't it funny? This is a bad character flaw. When we first started dating, she beat me in Scrabble, and I threw the board across the room in Little Rock, Arkansas. I've grown. I've matured. In my defense, I was 23 years old. And I wasn't the GM of a National Football League team. You got to learn how to lose. And this kind of panic, this kind of message, if I'm those, those, Bills, those Bills players and that coaching staff, what I'm hearing is this guy's making excuses because there's no solution going forward. Zach Taylor's out there looking for media to fire up his guys. Brandon Bean is out there saying, well, it's not fair. Life isn't fair. You have Josh Allen. You played a Bengals team whose offensive line was incomplete. You think if... If the Bills had had done what they should have, I know no Von Miller, if they had done what they should have and they had knocked Joe Burrow's ass to the ground 11 times, do you think the GM of the Bengals or Zach Taylor would have come out and be like, I mean, come on. Injuries in football? It's ridiculous. No. You deal with things as they are. You fight by the rules of the arena that you're in. So get over yourself, Buffalo Bills GM. I'm sure you're a nice guy. I I don't know you at all. Never been around you. That's the message of a guy who knows we were right yesterday. The Bills window is closed. It's clear to see, even if it's hard sometimes, the noise. But the Buffalo Bills GM, he's signaling it too. Window closed. Life's tough. You should have won the game against Cincinnati. The end. 855-2124-CBS. All right. So I threw a Scrabble board. Not cool. I'm also apparently an accidental con artist. I don't think I am. But D-Cell does. So I got, I got me, Bill Ryder. That's me. Hello. The Scammer Part 3. And we'll get into some, um, some, some Hall of Fame debate next year on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. I, I just discovered that the thing that I last cooked from Julia Child's The, the uh, Joy of French Cooking or something is, is bogus. As, I, I'm a good cook. Uh, I almost called you Chef Diesel. You're not Chef. I'm Chef. You, you're a French onion soup guy. Love it. I made a amazing French onion soup. In fact, when we had lunch on Monday, I was hoping it was going to be on the menu, but it was not. Yep. What are you laughing at, Tom? How yeah. is the last thing you cooked French onion well, soup? the last fancy thing. I like, like, we'll make dinner. We'll make tacos. We'll grill steaks. 
But sometimes on the weekends, I'll put on the old kitchen TV with the sports, and I'll just go to it the nice. cooking. Now, I made, my wife was out last night, so shockingly, I boiled hot dogs and mac and cheese for my family last night. But mm. before that, I don't remember the last thing I made because without the summertime and the grill, like, I usually don't end up cooking indoors, I guess. So it could have been three weeks ago and it could have been something random like French onion soup, too. Oh, I cook all the time. I make this, I have a Catalan cookbook and I have a, what is it called, cassola? So I cook a bunch of Spanish food. Mm. Oh, my gosh, man, the, the meats and the onions that cook down. And then a lot of booze. But no PB&J. No, I don't like that. Yeah. All right. So um, I know it sounds like I'm making these things up. I'm, I'm not. And I can show you guys the email if you don't believe me. Andrew, do you know yesterday I brought up, last week I think it was, I went to, to dinner with a buddy in L.A. And a big part of the table fell on me and half my meal was, was free. Mm-hmm. And then on the flight, I got upgraded to the old first class with the, with the fancy folks. But my chair wouldn't go down. So they gave me a ton of miles. But then the chair got fixed after I got the miles. Correct. And D-Cell said if there's another one, what was your message? Lori didn't like it. Just keep it to yourself. What? Why? Would because I... you're going to get labeled a scammer. All right. So I'm, this has already happened. I just forgot. So I'm walking back, maybe it was yesterday, I think it was the day before, to my hotel in Midtown here in New York. And I get an email from the hotel manager. And I'm like, oh, what's this? Apparently, there was a leak from my shower to the room below me. So, like, we had to move you. We've upgraded you. So, I get to the hotel, <laughs> and I'm in a corner, not a suite, but a really long, lo- for New York, right? Like, New yeah. York, lo- corner, so I have windows that go both ways. I'm, I'm, I go from the 12th floor to the 32nd floor. I can see everything. Last night, I just spent 20 minutes staring out my window rather than watching TV. And... This happened not because somebody else's leak went into your room and possibly messed up your stuff. Your room leaked downward, so there was no negative to this for you. I'm gonna yes, I'm gonna read you just because you guys don't. I feel like there's there's a lack of belief here. I'm gonna try to find this. I know I believe you. I just I'm again. This is a heck of a week. You've had more luck in this week than I've had in my entire life. It feels like it says name of hotel. Yeah, and then it says you know Chelsea leak in the room. That's the message I see is leak in the Uh-oh. room. Good afternoon, Mr. Ryder. I hope your day is going very well so far. Managing team just brought to my attention. There's a leak coming for your room, and it's mostly coming from the shower. We would like to relocate you to an upgraded room so our team can better resolve the issue. Tom! You respond back, no, I'm not moving. <laughs> I decline your upgrade. No, took, thank you. Deal with the leak. I took, so what? I have to fly uh, to Atlanta today for work. What am I getting free today? Like, if my Uber breaks down, they're going to give me, like, a, an SUV? Well, here's where D-Sales logic maybe comes into play. Don't push it today. Just okay. get make sure you get out of New York because we've got some bad weather coming in. So your luck should just be that your flight takes off. Oh, when does that be happen? Be happy with that. Later in the afternoon. I fly out. So I got to be honest. I fly out three. I would be happy to be stuck here. I love New York City. I, and, I, and I would miss one of the two of you very much. Hi, Andrew. Hey. Hello, d Disa, once your shirt came off, we we have very little use for you now. I told you guys you didn't want to see that. I warned you for a year. You would not listen. You did not want to see what was under the shirt. I mean, I can't argue with any of that. Yeah, in the first five <laughs> seconds, you guys were begging me to put my shirt back on. The, that did happen. The kid who was training with you just just hauled it out of there. And he's not back he's not today. Back today. No. There, there, we do need to have a deep dive into that. It might take us in some bad places, but he... He left in a hurry, no no looking back, 
no second thoughts. And then the second your shirt came back on, back he in. was back. He came back in. So he, there was no coincidence. He left to not be in the same room as a shirtless you. I never asked him about it. Why wouldn't you ask him? Because I don't want to know. I don't want to know why. If I give off the vibe that, like, I, I nobody wants to see what's under here, like, I, those words don't need to be spoken. You're a warm and caring mentor. <laughs> Your connection with these young people is next level. All right. Those words have never been spoken. <laughs> no, nor should they have been. Saying those words like watching you with a shirt off, they, it feels wrong, foreign. All right, so I'm a scammer. Is that is that I, I'm not doing anything on purpose. D sales phone. You're not a scammer. You're just lucky. Now your luck might run out. You might have a string of the opposite, That's but the right now you're rolling. That's the problem. That's what I'm worried. The room is amazing now. Didn't your wife label you as the scammer? Yeah, but then she was like, tell T-Cell, you, you, of course you have to keep rolling with it. You're on that, you're on that good run. Um, I don't think Scott Rowland's a... All right, so here's what I'll say about Scott Rowland. For me, when it comes to any Hall of Fame, if a guy doesn't strike me as a Hall of Famer when just someone says this person and their name, I'm immediately skeptical. But what is it about this dude's accomplishments that... that where do you come down this bogus? You, you, you put him in there? I do not. I don't either. I do not. I'm, but my list would always be short. So I wouldn't put him in. Todd Helton, who almost got in yesterday, is not a Hall of Famer in my right. book. But I'm not appalled at Scott Rowland being in the Hall of Fame. I don't know that it's an injustice to anybody else that's in the Hall of Fame, that Scott's now joining them. Up until Nolan Arenado existed, he was the best third baseman defensively that I had seen in my life. Defensively? It matters. 2,000 hits, 316 home runs, 281 batting average over his career. Right. He's a very good player. The you Hall of Really Good. Put him in the Put him in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, I guess, if you want to. But I I don't think he's a baseball Hall of Famer. You don't need to mention his name if you're explaining baseball to somebody. So, as we know, seventy five percent of the the vote is the threshold. Roland got in with seventy six point three. It was close. Todd Helton just missed seventy two point two. Billy Wagner sixty eight point one. Andrew Jones fifty eight point one. Gary Sheffield, who absolutely has Hall of Fame numbers, but he also has links clearly to. PED use, 55%, Carlos Beltran, Jeff Kent, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez. It goes down goes down the list. So I have a couple thoughts, and I'd love to hear what you guys think. I One, a bunch of people that I work with, and they're on my timeline, colleagues of ours here and colleagues of mine at CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ, the younger folks are angry. They're put out. It's not a real Hall of Fame, right? They, they didn't grow up watching some of this the way that, that we did. I, I'm not mad at the voters right now. Like, if an entire era cheats – then eventually there's going to be consequences when that era is up for the Hall of Fame, regardless of which way you go, is, is, is one. Two, in the, it's the old gambling maxim that, that the reason that you should bet unders is because human nature is that most people want to bet overs. Like People don't like to root for failure, and they feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. with the idea of less than. I do wonder if, if Scott Rowland didn't get in because it was so close because so many people looked at this ballot, voters, and, and had so many no's that people just weren't comfortable filling out a ballot that had nobody on it. That's why I'm upset with the voters today. This was year six for Scott Rowland in eligibility. Bill, his first year, to your first point, you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. His first year, he got 10%. 10% of the vote. How over five years do you jump 65%? His numbers didn't change. He didn't get any more accomplishments. Like This is where I get frustrated with the voters. You can't change that drastically over five years. But I, yeah, but oh, some guys are some guys are a slow burn, and I think sometimes the further you get away from seeing them play 
and other guys don't show up and play the way they played, it absolutely can change the way you think about them. Again, I'm, I'm, I would not have voted Scott Rowland in, but I but I, I think the it started at 10, now it's at 77%, whatever it is. I don't know that that makes complete sense to me because it, it might take some time to realize how good someone was in retrospect. Like, I don't think he's it, though. No, I'm, I'm saying, I, I, again, I wouldn't vote for him. But to me, like, I guess the more the bigger compliment is the guys who you know are in right away. Like Mike Trout's a Hall of Famer. No one's ever going to debate that. He's going to go in the first time he can. But there are other guys who you, like, need to think about. And you need to see that, oh, man, no one has played like Scott Rowland for 15 years now. Maybe he is a Hall of Famer. The name on this list that jumped out to me, and I had to go look it up. I, to be honest, I had to look it up. But the, the name that jumped out to me is Billy Wagner. I, I, was, I was thinking... Isn't that guy like a top five saves leader in the history of the sport? He's not. He's six. It's close. Yeah. If you believe that being a closer is valuable, right? And I know that it wasn't for a big stretch of of history, and now you've got the sabermetrics movement. A lot of GMs, I think incorrectly, will tell you that that's a math equation, not an individual psychology issue in terms of coming in and closing out that game. But I don't understand how Billy Wagner's not in there. He's not a sexy name. He's not a big name. But the guy's got 400 and some saves in his career. He's six on the list. His wins against replacement is like is solid. And again, not a that's the person I would vote in if I had a vote. It's the only name on this list that I think I would confidently, if I voted, vote for. And and that goes back to the point of how do you start at 10 percent and then six years later get in? It's because it just sometimes the voters are wrong. Right. Like that's fair. the 10 percent number in year one for Roland might not have been the correct number of votes he should have gotten. Maybe he should have started at 65. And slowly we're way up to 77. Like, Billy Wagner, I'm with you. Billy Wagner is the most Hall of Fame-worthy guy that you could have voted for this year. And I'm, I'm ter- I never do this correctly. There's a, a great tweet yesterday, and I understand it's not apples to apples, but Billy Wagner's overall numbers in the regular season compare very favorably or sometimes beat Mariano Rivera. And wow. Rivera is was the only unanimous, or the first unanimous yep. Hall of Fame selection there's room to be Mo way up here and also have Billy Wagner. He doesn't have the same postseason resume and all that stuff. I get that, but to have him in the Hall of Fame as well. I, that, that's really interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think he's I just I think he's clearly a Hall of Famer. By the way, I should mention Fred McGriff was voted in, was that in December? From the Contemporary Era Committee, whatever whatever it's called. And I think McGriff is a Hall of Famer. I I don't think McGriff's a five hundred home run guy, but I think he got really, really close. Yeah, four ninety three. I mean, in an era where he actually hit 493 home runs without the help of putting stuff in his body and then disguising it from from people that were testing. I and this is the issue for baseball, right? If if no one had gotten in in this would would that would have been a, a, a an uglier reality for Major League Baseball? I mean, is there pressure on the voters to get somebody in? Well, I, I think the problem with not putting somebody in is is part of the reason why we're getting to nobody. Like, because we have no rules to free-for-all and how you want to handle A-Rod and Manny and all these guys. And that leads to blank ballots or people not voting. And that, or like like you said, just looking around going, man, I'm not, I can't vote for Manny. I can't vote for Barry Bonds. I right. can't vote for Sheffield. I got to give a vote to somebody. I, I think they need to do something, whether it's to say, if you fail the test, you can't be in the Hall of Fame and take those guys out of the equation or tell people to almost forget about that stuff. And if they're if the numbers say they should be in, to vote them in because all of these names and everybody's ability to make a moral stand or whatnot on all these with, with their ballot, it's just messing everything up. 
Here's another thing about Scott Rowland. I'm not, I'm not trying to take shots at. The, although we do open the show with some like, what is it? That clip. I'll tell these idiots they're not in the Hall of Fame. Is that what it is, Decel? Yes. Yes, exactly that. Was Scott, I don't know the answer, and the answer may be yes once or twice, but I would, was Scott Rowland ever the best player on a single Cardinals team he played on in a single season? I mean, probably not. Certainly Pujols is going to confound that for the years he was there. Yeah, I, uh, I just struggle with the Scott Rowland argument. No, because he was always with Pujols. Right. But again, that's not his fault either, to be second best to Pujols for five years. But not one time? Yeah, but I mean, how many? But there there were other Hall of Famers on the Yankees in the 20s with Babe Ruth. Yeah, I mean, Andre Dawson is like where I always go to on the, like he's the line. I think he's on the right side of it. And he always played with Ryan Sandberger or or largely did. Always did. I don't know. I... Sorry, Tom. Are you are you Scott? Are you team rolling here? Are you rolling with Roland? I am not team rolling here. Look, he's a very good player, and there was no reason I would ever knock him prior to today. But he's not a Hall of Famer, and the reason why I struggle with this argument the the best thing that you could point out about Scott Roland's game was his defense, eight time Gold Glover. Why I'm struggling with this today specifically because of this ballot, Bill. He's not even the best defensive player on the ballot. He's not. Andrew Jones is a better defensive player than Scott Roland. That's true. I wouldn't put Jones in either though. I think he's closer than Roland. You do? I do. The batting average is not even close. Jones was a better power hitter. I mean, all-around player, Scott Rowland is probably better. But when it comes to defense alone, which is the biggest argument you can make for Scott Rowland, there's no contest to me. Andrew Jones was by far a better defensive player. So Scott Rowland, in a long career, in a storied career, all-star several times, he made the he got votes for the MVP in his career four times. He was 20th, 24th, 4th. And 14th. And obviously the MVP, there is one on the American League side and one on the National League side. So while the math isn't perfect, at best, one time he was a top 10 player yeah. in Major League Baseball. Once. His best year for the Cardinals was 2004? Yeah, yeah 2004. Yep. And he hit 34 homers, 124 RBIs, 314 average, 1,000-plus OPS. But Jim Edmonds and Pujols had better seasons than him. Jim Edmonds, yeah. So, again, it's not his fault that he was the third best guy on a team, but it just it, it doesn't mean he can't be in the Hall of Fame. But it kind of means he can't be in the Hall of Fame. Like, he's just, he's not a guy that you'd pick or put on the top 10 players in baseball list in any of the years that he was out there. 100% agree. And I'll add this. Baseball is struggling nationally. Like, I, I, I'm i not pretending that, it's, that there aren't other sports that aren't. And it's really relevant locally. So it's a complicated conversation. Like, it does really well in sweeps with young people even in, like, local markets, but doesn't do well nationally. So there's a product there that works, but not as a national sport. Okay. That has room to grow. It has room to, like, sell itself. And I'm not sure that inducting randos into the Hall of Fame because you have to is the right way to sell the sport. Right? If I... If you're trying to, like, convince young people or just convince people it's worth their time and, like, you drive your kid to, or you just drive yourself to, to go to the Hall of Fame sometime when you're in the New York area and, like, so you can see the Scott Rowland plaque, I just, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's not, it doesn't, I think, celebrate the best of baseball the way more than most sports baseball could use some of that right now. Now, that means you go through three or four years of no one's in, then you go through three or four years of no one's in. Yeah, but again, like if you if they had a plan, 
if there was any guidance or really more strict guidance on how to handle the steroid guys, one of them would go in every year, and that would be your headline. Like, A-Rod should, could be in the Hall of Fame, and that would be good for baseball. That would be, no, at least it would be notoriety for baseball. It That's would true. make the news cycle. I mean, I used to roll my eyes at this, so maybe my opinion has evolved like the voters themselves. I don't think those guys should be in, but if you physically, and I haven't been there, so you tell me, Andrew, if, if, if this is a realistic possibility given how I imagine the Hall of Fame. If you could build a physically separate structure next door, and it is the ho- ho- steroids hall, of, the Hall of Fame for steroids users, and you walk through there and guys have their thing, but it's also like a, a, a deep dive museum on that era. Okay. And like maybe when you give your speech, you have to give it a different place, right? Whatever the normal, but like you got to give it over in the, it, it's a different look. And maybe even there's an expectation that you address. Okay. I, but I do think there should be some kind of separation. I don't, separation might be too tough, too like punitive. Like, I don't know if guys would accept it. Right. And then don't. But I don't okay. know how good of a look that is either. I, to me, and I mean, I'm not one of the guilty ones, but like mentioning it on their plaque is a fair trade to me. Barry Bond, you want to be in the Hall of Fame? We're going to point, we're going to mention Balco on your plaque. Cause I don't think. For me, at least, it's not the cheating that is the real sticking point in the long run. It is the unwillingness. It is the it is the arrogance that holds over, and the I'm bet I'm bigger than the game, and that's why like Mark McGuire's sort of teary, I I'm you know his actual sense of shame, I, that's relatable. Like we right like it's a lot different to me than some of these guys who walk around like they didn't do anything wrong. I, I would be interested in a Mark McGuire induction where he's just like, yeah, I did it, but I love the game. And because, like, I don't know, it's tough. Because Barry Bonds was not only a Hall of Famer before he, we think he was utilizing these advantages. I don't want to say top five. He was a top 20 player of all time, trending toward, or whatever the number is, because there's a bigger pool in baseball. That guy was, even as a pirate, was doing things that were the different body type. Right. They were unprecedented. I mean, that was the frustration. He yeah. didn't need to do what he did, just like A Rod didn't need to do it. Just like Clemens didn't A-Rod need to didn't. do it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if A Rod was filling up this great big well of, um, you know, sadness or insecurity or, you know, whatever, not comfortable in his own skin. But I'm, there are probably reasons. All right. We went long. We went long. Diesel, you're in my Hall of Fame, pal. It's the only one I'll get in. My wife just texted me. She's clearly listening to the show. Thank you for your support. Make sure you tell the you're a scammer story. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Again. Maybe she's just listening Again. on a delay. I know we're probably not in a simulation, but sometimes I feel like the program just messing with me. Speaking of simulation, do you know of this movie that's getting all these uh, award nominations? It. Everywhere. Hold on. Yeah. Everywhere. Everything. Everywhere all at once? Yeah. Amazing. I've started it and thought yeah. of you immediately. It's a lot. It's a lot. I watched it on an airplane. Not the best. I feel like not the best viewing setup. For you? For you. I liked it because I was, I'm like, okay, I would never probably, it's a lot. I'm like, I have six hours to go, so I guess I'll just go through this. Yeah, I started it. It's great. Try to what, finish it. Watching in parts is not not a good idea either, but, I mean, it's basically what we talk about every single day around here. It's alternate universe yeah. theory, yeah. Um, in some universe, I get out on time. It's just not this one. Let's do a, remember Micro Machines? You're, are you, remember those? Like the guy talks super fast? Of course. We're going to, do you know what I'm talking about, D-Cell? The young, the young people don't. We're going to do a super hyper speed NBA power rankings here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogish. 
You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Let's do NBA Power Rankings. Some will rise. Others will fall. Let the ranking begin on Writer Than You's NBA Power Rankings. It, it sounds, Number five. I'm just jumping all over it. It sounds like an epic quest. Some will rise. Some will fall. It's like a trailer. Oh, I sent you a trailer the other day. Diesel, did you watch it? Uh, no. Oh, my gosh. You're a bad person. We'll get to that later. We're a bad friend. You're a great person. What number are we on? Number five. I got the Milwaukee Bucks here. I'm still a believer, and I had this talk with an NBA person the other night. I still think Milwaukee is my pick to come out of the East by a fraction over the team that is atop this list. We'll get to them later. But they haven't been healthy. They are now. They haven't been consistent. And there have been some lackadaisical play from Giannis. Still, I think Giannis is the key word here, and they've got a championship DNA. I think that they're going to reclaim and refine. Number four. The Memphis Grizzlies. Why am I singing it? Because, I don't know. I, uh, this team is so young, and you saw the anger and the frustration and the immaturity, maybe, chip on their shoulder, maybe, into maturity that in that Shannon Sharp silliness. But they play so tough. They have the best defense in the NBA. They're really good offensively. I love Ja. If they're healthy and their feistiness doesn't turn to panic, and that does happen with with mature teams, let alone young teams, but if they can control that chaos that they like to unleash emotionally and otherwise in the postseason, watch out. Number three. Maybe I should have them higher. I know they're now the betting favorite to come out of the West. Denver Nuggets are extremely, extremely impressive. Their offense is awesome. Jokic is a stud and probably going to be the MVP if things don't change. So that race, I think, is still open. MPJ, Jamal Murray, just some of the guys they have when they're healthy, so good. They're just, they don't play defense. They don't play defense, which is why it's time for a little surprise above them. Number two. I told you guys about Joel Embiid for the MVP a while back. I Remember this, Tom? I said, there's the value. And now they're second in the East, but more importantly to them, they are number two on this list, which is a game changer for them. The Sixers have a huge Achilles heel. They have a huge, huge problem in that Doc Rivers is their coach. And and that, I think, actually is an issue. But they are eighth in offensive rating. They're fourth in defensive rating. They are loaded with a bunch of complementary pieces, including, I think, a resurgent James Harden around. And Joel Embiid, a guy that is the best player in the NBA on any given night. There are four or five guys who are on that rotating list. It's Jokic most nights. But Embiid's one of them. If, if they had the right head coach, they'd be my favorite to come out of the East. They they don't, but it doesn't mean I can't be wrong, and Doc can't after, you know, what feels like 30 years, find a way to finally be right in the postseason. They are really talented. Number one. I mean, give me the Boston Celtics. Man, I'm not going to belabor this too much. I want to get to an honorable mention or two, but they are so good, so talented. All they do is win games now. The addition of Brogdon is so important. Jalen Brown was always a superstar, but he's really come into his own. In that respect, him and Jason Tatum have such an ability now to work and operate together when that wasn't true a couple years ago. Joe Mazzulla, the head coach, has done a great job stepping in for Ime Odoka. They have found that defensive excellence they had under Odoka last year. On and on and on it goes. These guys are winners, and you see it night in, night out. Honorable mention. So I got the Sacramento Kings, and I know we're going to talk later about their GM getting an extension in Buy or Sell, the D-Cell Show, which Tom wants to rename it the D-Cell Show, which is a segment, so I don't even know what that means. But I, this is a really really good Kings team. They have the best offense in the NBA. They are solid 
They are solid in terms of their depth. They are not great defensively. Love this team. Just don't think that they're postseason ready, postseason made. But don't sleep on what they're doing just because they're the Kings. We'll do one more. Here's your participation trophy. I'm going to get this to New Orleans because Brandon Ingram's coming back tonight. Zion's statement came out yesterday, probably a couple weeks from being where he needs to be to return. If New Orleans, and CJ McCollum has done a really nice job keeping these guys afloat. If New Orleans gets healthy, they have a chance, I think, to get into that class that's after really Boston and maybe Milwaukee when they're healthy, which is not the favorites, but good enough if matchups and health break the right way to actually compete. You didn't watch the you didn't watch the trailer. I sent you two, didn't I? Uh I saw one. Which one did I I sent you Atomic Blonde? Atomic Blonde. That was that was the one that I acknowledged. I don't know if you sent another one. I don't remember. Did you actually watch it though? The trailer? Yeah. Oh no. Oh, we're gonna watch it in the break. Got it. It's great. She's a gun in the ice bucket and, and I can't remember. Do you have an issue with like really attractive women beating up people? Uh, no, not at all. Somebody said that to me. That is so dumb. Ladies can't be ninjas? I mean, come on. Charlie Strong's not a ninja, and she would kick the crap out of me. Of course, I'm not a ninja. Do you know who's a ninja with reporting and words and basketball excellence? Jeff Goodman, my guy, joins me next year on CBS Sports Radio.